Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Man, oh, hallelujah. Come on. That video was so cool. So, uh, Thank you to everybody here. Uh, can we just pray really quickly? Father, we just thank you for this moment. Every time we get a chance to approach your word, we honor it with prayer. Uh, we want you to be glorified in anything, God, that is said and shared in this moment. Uh, God, let it bring life and peace and joy and strength to your sons and daughters. Because, God, we sincerely believe that is what you want. And we pray that in your son's name. Amen. Um, so really, really quickly, uh, before I even get started, an old man told me one time that good husbands give honor to their wives. So... I want to give honor to my wife who's here with me. It'll be 12 years you've been married in a couple of months. All right. Um, can we just uh, quickly just show some honor and love to Pastor Mark? Can we just make some noise really quick? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Amen. He is my brother, and I don't use that, that term lightly, but he sincerely is my brother. He has been one of the pastors who have uh, really just wrapped his arms around me, right, and just showed me immense love. Uh, he keeps telling me I have stuff to offer him, but really I've been gleaning from his table for a long time. Uh, even took him out to get some vegan food. Uh, and I pray that God really just changes his appetite to, to stop killing animals in the Lord's name and just really just eat vegetables. Amen. He told Adam that the fruit of the ground would be your meat. Amen. So, um, took him out. He absolutely detested it, but he still took some time to, uh, to share some wisdom with me. So, I thank God for him and Donna. Thank you, Mike, who's also here. Uh, everybody from Evolve that came out today, thank you so much. I love you. appreciate you guys. Come on. Right. All right. So, just so you guys know, I'm, I'm like kind of excited, right? So I don't, I don't, I'm going to try to tone it down as much as I can, but I will make you no promises. So before we get started, my custom always is, I believe that churches should be loud for Jesus. I'm the chaplain with the Milwaukee Bucks, right? I get a chance to hear Arena scream for a basketball player. So I believe we should scream for the person we say gave his life for our lives. So can we make some noise for Jesus really quickly? There we go. All right, all right, hallelujah. All right, I was raised Pentecostal, so I am not afraid if you talk back to me, all right? If I say amen, you can say amen, like amen. amen. There we go. I'm excited to share this message with you today. Uh, it seems like no, everywhere I go, doesn't matter where I'm going, where I'm speaking, somehow, some way, this message keeps coming back to my spirit as if God wants me to share this. And so today I'm teaching from this subject, the resting place. And the reason I'm teaching from the resting place specifically is because I'm noticing that the body of Christ, if, if we're not careful, sometimes we kind of get swept into anxiety with the world. We don't necessarily know, see it as such, but we notice that when the world gets frantic, when they get nervous, if you're not careful, and if you're not carefully anchored in Jesus, you'll find yourself being swept into that same anxiousness or anxiety. And it's important for us to remember that the resting place is where God wants us to remain. You can say remain. remain. 
All right. God wants us to remain there because when we remain in a place of resting in him, then the enemy doesn't have access to our minds, to our peace, to our rest. And rest is extremely important. So I'll jump right in here giving you a definition. Um, rest by noun is peace of mind or spirit. According to Merriam-Webster, the verb also is to be free from anxiety or disturbance. I know that all of us could benefit from being free from anxiety and disturbance. If you have little kids, then you know what disturbance is. Being free from anxiety or disturbance. Also, the second one uh, in Merriam-Webster for the verb definition is powerful to me. They said that rest means to remain confident or trust. Blew my mind when I fully understood that because I realized resting in God was actually directly correlated to how much you trust Him. Resting in God is directly correlated to how much you put your trust in Jesus. And I know that there are so many other avenues for us to trust in nowadays, right? I mean, we're listening to the news, we're listening to the doctors and medicine, and we're trying to follow every single regulation that is given to us, and we want to be safe, and especially coming out of 18 months of COVID and just trying to figure out what would the world look like. Am I following the CDC guidelines? And I want to be healthy, Pastor, and I want to be safe, and I want to protect everybody else. And if you're not careful, you will find yourself being anxious just going to the store. You find yourself being anxious just to give a, a hug to somebody you love. It's like, do I, uh, um, uh, you're right. <laughs> love you, brother, right? Fist bump. Because anxiety literally grabs your thinking. And so I want to just go through a few points. I got five points, four passages of scripture, and we'll just kind of walk through this. And as I walk through it, I pray that it gives some life to you and it helps you understand how to rest better in Jesus. So point number one, we lose sleep because we forget that God is watching over us. We lose sleep because we forget that God is watching over us. One of the most beautiful things about the Word of God is in this scripture here, Psalm um, 121, verses 3 and 4. And 3 says, He will not let you stumble. And that's not my message, but I just want to encourage you wherever you are in life, God will not let you stumble, all right? The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, verse 4, verse four says, He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Now, it's important to know that God is never sleeping. So if God is awake, then why should you still be awake? You should be able to rest in him because you know that the God that is watching over you doesn't need a nap because he never gets tired. That every single time you're resting your eyes, you're resting in him. And I know sometimes it feels easier said than done, but you have to remember my finances, my children, my marriage, whatever is happening in my job or my career, everything that's around me, I've given it back to Jesus. And once I've given it back to Jesus, I realize he's better at protecting it than I am. I mean, like you're trying to protect your kids in this kind of environment, what do you do? I mean, how do you let them breathe, play, get educated? If you're not careful, this kind of inner but quiet anxiety will creep in and before you know it, you forget to trust Jesus with your kids. Because the world is almost shrouding us to a place of forgetting to rest. We forget to rest in him. Look at point two. A good work ethic is one of the strongest character traits you can have, but it is also one of the biggest barriers to resting in God. This is one of my personal stories right here. Look at Psalm um, 127, verses 1 and 2. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. 
Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with soldiers would do no good. Verse 2, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. I work a lot. So um, that scripture meant a lot to me when I first read it. That uh, I was taught, you know, to have a good work ethic. So, you know, I worked hard. Uh, you know, I put in as many hours as I have to. You know, a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. My mom taught me this since I was a kid. You know, you got to work, you got to do something. And so I was working hard because that's what a man does. He provides for his family, he provides for his wife. You know, you know if you're not providing for your family, it's almost like being worse than you know, not being a believer. I mean, it's just kind of like this overwhelming pressure that's put on you to make sure that you have to provide for yourself. But is that the gospel? Like, did God ever tell you that he wanted you to provide for yourself, or did he tell you that he was going to provide for you? I remember one time my mom had challenged me. This is so funny to me. I was, um, I'm a barber by trade. I still, I'm a barber with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I, I literally just retired from my barbershop last week. Uh, but for years, I had worked as a barber, and I was working a third shift job because I wanted to provide better for my family. I was a, a, a young married guy, newlywed, and, and we lived in a place um, called The Hood, all right? Um, the hood is, it's an interesting place. You, you don't know what's going to happen to your car. You, you don't know what's going to happen to your house. Um, you are unsure if the person looking at you across the street is intending to rob you or is your friend. You don't really know. So I was like, I, I want to move out the hood. I want to, I want to get to, to somewhere a bit safer. So I was working a lot. I was cutting hair, working third shift. I remember talking to my mom and my mom was like, man, you know, you, you just don't trust God. And I was offended. Like, I'm a thoroughbred. I'm a church kid. I love the Lord. Like, this is, the, the God is my life. Like, what do you mean I don't trust God? And she was like, if you trusted God, you wouldn't be working this hard. She said, you're ruining your relationship trying to make a dollar. Do you trust God? And I was offended. Like, I was, this is my mom. And I know many of us can, like, if your mom has ever said something, like, wow, that kind of hurt me a little bit, mom. Like, I'm, I'm hurt a bit, and I walked away, and I began to pray, and I said, God, why am I so upset about this? Why is it bothering me so much? And I started to realize that I was working so much that I was forgetting to pray. I was missing time reading the Word. And all of the stuff that I said was most valuable to me had become secondary because my primary focus was making a dollar. And I had to stop and say, man, may, maybe I'm not trusting God. What blew my mind is that when I stopped working the third shift job and started trusting God, we lived better than when I was putting in more hours. Because the trick of the world is you work hard to get more. And I say, no, you trust more to get more. The more you trust God with what you have, come on. The more you trust God with what you have, you're going to see God begin to increase, right? And when you're working so hard, it's like, it's like you're losing a sense of appreciation of what God has blessed you with. Look at point three. I have discovered that we as believers have mastered portioning our cares. We give God what we think he should have, and then we keep what we think we can handle. All right? So we, we're really, really good at this, you know. So being born and raised in church, it's funny because, you know, you really see people who have become really, really good at trusting God with particular things. You know what I mean? Like it's, I trust him with what I think I should trust him with. 
all right? But then there's other things where you notice it still weighs you down. And, and my challenge sometimes is to say, hey, if something is taking your joy, then maybe you're not trusting. I say it again. If something is taking your joy, then maybe you're not trusting. See, whenever our joy is affected, it is always a clear sign that, God, I'm not sure if I trust you with this yet. I mean, I've been there several times. I mean, I don't know what example you want, but in my personal marriage, in my finances, in my family, my career, you get to a space sometimes where you're like, you're, you're trying to figure it out. I mean, you've, you're a really, really good thinker. And if you're really, really smart, you think a lot, right? So, and if you're not careful, you can think yourself out of faith. Like, you can think so much to where the facts become more important than what God said. And what's in front of you becomes more real than his word. And so sometimes you have to pull yourself back and say, you know what? Hold on, maybe I'm focusing too much on the facts and I'm not negating the facts, but the facts don't determine my future. The facts don't determine my story. If God has said something over me, then I'm learning the position to trust him with what he said, not what I saw. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Remember, one of the definitions for rest is trust and confidence. The one of the things you're going to realize is that real rest comes the more you trust Jesus, the more you trust God. That's where the real rest comes. And so sometimes the challenge is to say, Lord, how much do I trust you? Look what 1 Peter 5 and 7 says. It says, give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give how many? All. How many? All. Say it together. How many? All. Okay. So it says, give all of your worries and cares to God. Now, the amazing thing about the word all is that it doesn't leave anything out. It's such a beautiful word. Like when you say all, it means everything, right? It's all of it. It's all inclusive. So when he says give all of your worries and your cares to God, it makes you sit back for a moment and realize, well, what does God want me to think about? Stop for a minute. So, so if, if I'm giving all of my worries to him, then what does he want me to think about? He wants me to think about how my life gives him glory. This is why he says this, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. What he's saying simply is, hey, I promise you, I'll take care of all the stuff you need. All I need you to do is help me change the world. Help me give life to someone around you. Help me love your neighbor. Help me touch someone who needs me. I'll make sure every single need you have is supplied. And it's, it's really kind of like, it's a cheating relationship. Like God worries about everything and I just have to say yes. Like, it's, it's, it's a cheating relationship. He's like, yo, I'll take care of everything. I'm like, yeah, but God, my, my job, yeah, I got it, I got that. And my career, yeah, I'll take care of that too. Well, my marriage, my spouse, yeah, yeah, I got it. So what do you want me to do? I want you to, I want you to rest. Like, what? But I finally understood it. It's, it just didn't make sense to me because I told you I'm a church kid. So I'm like, no, you got to do something. You got to prove your righteousness. You got to work hard in the kingdom. You got to do this for church. And you're working so hard, you start realizing that, hey, guys, this is his plan. And his church. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And when you realize that the shepherd is saying it's time to rest, then it's time to rest. One of the things... Uh, what resting does, resting makes the time go faster. Yeah. 
right? I've got a chance to just rest in God with my church. And they're like, man, you know, we passed a three-year anniversary. And sometimes I feel like I, we just started because really I'm not that good. I just keep resting in him and God keeps covering up my mistakes. He keeps making me look better than what I really am when you just rest in him. One of the examples, um, my wife and I, we were driving back from Chicago and we were driving back. My wife was tired and she fell asleep. And it was one of those days where after you know, leaving Chicago, you know, you talk about a, a good vegan meal. You probably wouldn't understand that. But just a good hearty, hearty vegan Reuben sandwich and just hearty fries, right? It's just so good. And we got what's called the itis. And the itis is once you, once you eat, your body wants to shut down and take a nap, right? So she just goes to sleep and I'm struggling. And, and my husband probably will understand. I don't know if you went through this, but like the wife is asleep and you're over there just trying to stay on the road. Like the little ridge just wakes you up a little bit. Like you're like, oh, Jesus, thank you for giving me strength while, while finishing this journey back. Lord, just give, wake me up. You know, I'm t- and your eyelids like you have five pound dumbbells on them. And so I'm struggling. That hour and a half drive felt like five hours. Like you're driving and you're like, Waukegan? I'm only on the, I've been driving for four hours. How am I like Waukegan? It can't be. Like somebody's playing a trick on me. I thought I got off on the wrong road. I, I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna drive a little bit faster. And so we get home and, and my wife wakes up and she was like, whoa, that was fast. <laughs> fast? I barely made it. We almost died 19 times. The semi-truck jumped over my lane. What do you mean it was fast? But it clicked for me. She was resting. It finally made sense that no matter the journey, the person who's trying to do it themselves is struggling, feeling like, how can I get there? How can I make it? It feels too hard. It seems too long. I feel like I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. But the person person that was resting woke up saying, thank you for the journey. Wow, this this is so easy. I started studying. What makes it difficult for some people and easy for others? You start asking questions. Some of the greatest leaders, what did you do? What happened? What is, it? What, is your, what is your secret? You start realizing that the only secret is that they trusted God. See, the trick sometimes, the enemy can constantly tell you, you got to get better. Be a better speaker. Be a better leader. Read another book. You got to do more. You got to do more. And I'm not negating work. I believe in work. I believe in investing in yourself. I believe in taking the time. But sometimes if you're not careful, you can believe the voice of the enemy in ways you don't recognize you're doing it as if you are insufficient or you are not good enough. But God knew who you were, who you were when he called you. And if God knew who you were, he knew your skill set. He knew your ability. He knew your acumen. He knew your mind. And if he calls you, he is fully expecting you to trust him to help you along the journey. See, because nothing that God ever calls you to do will be able to be done in your own strength. Everything that he calls you to do is going to make you look up and say, God, I'm not good enough. And he's like, perfect. I needed you to see that because I called the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I tell my church all the time, I'm just dumb enough to know that he's smart enough. That's simple. And when you're dumb enough to know that he's smart enough, you stop resting in your wisdom and you start trusting in his. Look at number four. Here is my, I call this my worry list, all right? Um, the worry list grows best in difficulty. You know, what's funny is you talk to people about resting in God, they're like, oh, I know resting in God, but you know, this is, this is a different situation. I know how to trust in God, but pastor, this is hard. And I'm like, well, it's not, you're not resting when it's easy. It's, you have to choose to rest when it's difficult because worry 
grows best in difficulty. That, that you have to hit a hard spot to see if you trust. Let me, let me tell you this. Like, I've been on both sides. Like what Paul said, I, I, I've had plenty and I've been poor. Like, I've had a whole lot and I've had nothing. I've had both. And let me tell you something. When you have a, when you have a lot of resources, it's so easy to feel like you're trusting God. Oh, my goodness. It's just give a little here, be generous, I'll be fine. You know, I'm just trusting that God is not really hard. Like, I trust him. Like, I trust him with my family. I trust him with my health. I trust him with everything. But when you're in a place where you're in difficulty, like my wife that was bleeding for six months and the doctors didn't have an answer, and now you're still at a place where you're trying to trust, and you're trying to rest, and you start getting anxious. Like, for me, I'll be transparent. For, like, the first two, three months, I was confident. Like, God got this. 60 days later, she's still bleeding. They run another four tests. She go to four different doctors. We don't have an answer. Oh, but we, we trust that God is a healer. 90 days. I'm believing God. 120 days? I, I think I still believe, right? Maybe we should travel and see a specialist. <laughs> this is not making sense. All right, 150 days. We have five months. I'm starting to worry. It was at six months on the dot. I woke up and I was like, God, what is this? And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that, but if you ever dealt with a place where the doctors didn't have an answer, you're fighting with the sickness, you're trying to figure it out. Just being transparent, I was trying to figure it out. My wife woke up and she told me in, in, in her beautiful voice, because her voice is so beautiful, it's beautiful, honey. In a, in a beautiful voice, she was like, hey, babe, you know, it's been six months and uh, we still haven't been able to come together as husband and wife, I've been bleeding. And I was like, okay, but it, it burned something in me. It was almost like, it made me become more aggressive in prayer. You know, I was like, can I, I don't know if you, you probably are too afraid to say this, but I was angry with God because I was saying I'm serving in church and I'm faithful and I'm giving. I'm one of the people who's given my life to serve ministry. I served with my dad at that time was a pastor and I had given up everything. I even came back from college to continue to help here, finish school here because I believed that much in ministry. I was serving and I'm like, God, it's me. Like, I, I followed the book. I followed the rules. You, you said, okay, get married. Do it in righteousness. Make sure that you're serving. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I followed all of the rules to the T, and now my wife is bleeding, and there is no answer. Every person I know that had a prayer life, I asked them to pray for her, and nothing was moving. And God literally tells me this. God says, are you done? Excuse me? <laughs> you know, yeah, God, I'm, I think. I think I'm done. He's like, um, I never told you to pray and ask me to move the mountain. God said, I told you to speak to the mountain and the mountain will obey you. I'm giving this testimony for a reason. The mountain will obey you. I told my wife, I got up there and I came boldly, as boldly as I could because I was afraid. And I said, God told me just pray for you and that the blood is going to stop. <laughs> She's like, okay you know, have at it. And so I prayed for her and I'm like, I just believe that you're going to be healed. I just speak healing to your body. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. The blood has to stop. And then I left because I didn't want her to check just in case it didn't work. <laughs> Serious. I just like, all right, you should be good. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And I leave. My wife calls me 30 seconds later. She said, the blood stopped. She said, I'm not bleeding anymore. It blew my mind, to be honest, because that was the first time I'd actually started resting in him. I'm going to tell you something, man. Going to doctors, they, they can work a doozy on you. I mean, you hear story after story. You hear, ah, we, we probably can't help you. They told us that we probably wouldn't be able to have children. 
but I got a beautiful son, Nehemiah, my daughter Kennedy, who's now here and healthy. But, but these stories sometimes, the bad stories disturb your rest. Well, you know what COVID did. Well, you know what happened here and here. I'm not here to negate the facts. I'm only asking you, will you believe that more than you believe Jesus? And I know I'm digging deep. I know this may be challenging, and, and forgive me if it's too, too deep for you, but my challenge today is to see, can you get to a place where you're saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you more than any other voice I hear, more than any other voice speaking to me. The worry list is this, marriage, my spouse, my husband, right? And that's like, my wife and I counsel marriages, so we see that every single day, right? I'm tired of her, I'm tired of him. Um, I don't like her right now, but I love her. I don't like him right now, but I love him. I put him in his man cave and I don't want to see him for a week. Or, you know, I sent her to the salon and I hope that she does something with her friends. I sent her out of town with her sister and passed him just hoping that she decides to stay. Right? Like everybody has something. Right? Marriage. You know, you have your kids. And if you have kids, kids will create an own, a, another level of worry for themselves. Like just being a child, just my son just wanting to, to stack chairs and then jump to the floor in socks to see if he can slide across the kitchen. You know, like, like just the damage and the injury you put to yourself and use our insurance for no reason just gives you a worry. There's your, your job or your career, you know. A job is being, you know, laying people off left and right. Or your career may be coming to a screeching halt because of the pandemic, your finances. And we all understand that. There's no need for me to belabor that point. But finances can be difficult. Your mortgage or your rent, trying to make sure you're providing for your family. Your health, I just talked about your personal success, COVID. I mean, there's a worry list. And the list continues to grow the more you live. And the only way the list shrinks is for you to take it off. The only way that list gets shorter is for you to say, okay, God, I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my job and my career. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my mortgage. I trust you with my health. I trust you with my success. I trust you with COVID. I feel like churches were afraid to say that. Like, no, no, don't say that. But, but I'm, I, I'm not going against CDC. I'm just saying we serve a different C. His name is Christ. We don't, we don't just follow that. Okay. My last scripture, I hope you're not tired of me yet, I promise. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Look what it says. And I got one point, my last scripture, and then my, my last point, all right? 6 says, don't worry about anything. What's left out of anything? Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Now, it's, it, there's a reason God keeps putting this in scripture. There's a reason over and over he keeps saying, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. The reason why is... It is human nature to look at a problem and say, I don't know how I'm going to fix it. That's human nature. So you have to sometimes pull yourself back and remind yourself, it's not my responsibility to fix it. I'm supposed to put it in his hands and he will fix it. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, right? Pray about everything. One of my biggest secrets to resting in God, all right? One of my biggest secrets is, have you prayed about it? One of the challenges I actually realize is that believers worry about things they never prayed about. They never prayed about it. Like, wow, I've kind of been going through some of my job. Like, have you prayed about it? Well, not, not really. But it, it'll work itself out. It, it probably won't. <laughs> like, three years later, you know that now, right? Like, you're still there, and that same coworker's been riding your tail for the last few years. Like, they're getting promoted. You're like, it's not working itself out. 
you have to pray about it. All right. When you pray about it, you give God an opportunity to come into the situation and to fix it for you. All right. It says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I promise you, every time I'm going through a difficult situation and I start to thank God for what he's done in the past, I feel better about my current situation. I'm telling you, it's a secret. Every single time, like I'm going through something and I'm like, well, God, if you did it before, if you did it before, then you can do it again. If you did it here, and if you fix this, and you help my family, and you help my marriage, and you help my career, and you help my mind, and you brought healing to my wife, if you did it in so many situations, you're the same God today that you were back then, why would you stop helping now? And you just start giving God thanks. It's when, you think, when you're thanking God for what he's already done, it increases your faith for what you're expecting him to do. It increases you. Look at verse seven, it says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, really quickly, that word peace in the Greek is a word called irene, which means oneness, peace, quietness, and rest. That word also means rest. So if you look at it, it says, then you will experience God's rest, which exceeds anything we can understand. There is a rest that God gives to you to where, you know, if people were to ask you how you're resting, you won't be able to explain it or articulate it. Because honestly, it doesn't make sense. It's almost like you're in a place where everything is in an uproar and you're trying to figure it out and you're like, yeah, but God's got it. Well, what are you going to do about this? It's like, well, I honestly don't know. But it's not my job to know. It's my job to rest. It's my job to trust. If you've lived with Jesus for any amount of time, you will know this. You will encounter certain spaces in life where you just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to change. Talking to pastor friends of mine, well, what would the church look like after the pandemic? We don't know. <laughs> I know as a pastor, I'm supposed to give you the best answer. Like, well, we're sure the Lord's going to turn us around and we see a shifting happening in the church. But no, I don't know. But, but what I do know is that he knows. And because he knows, I trust in what he knows and not in what I know. I'm able to rest in that. Look at my point five, my last point, I promise I'll be done. Resting in God is a choice. It will not happen just because you're saved. Or just because you've accepted Jesus. And I think that's the biggest mistake. It was like, all right, um, give your life to Jesus. And we pastor a young church. One of my joys is getting brand new believers. I absolutely love it. The reason I absolutely love it is because it reminds us mature believers of the lessons we forgot. Right? Like it helps you remember like the kind of zeal, excitement you had. I mean, it's almost like once you go to Bible college, you, you understand more. It's like you get so smart, you get stupid. I'm just being serious. Like, you get, so, you get so smart, you're like, well, the Word of God says, if you go back to Psalms, and it's like, you're, you're talking yourself out of trusting Him. When you talk to new believers, they remind you of, like, this simplicity of accepting Jesus as a little child, who, I don't know all of the Scriptures, but I know that He said He'll provide. And I may not have the best way of articulating or exegeting a text, but I do know that if God told me He's got me, He's got me. And you know what? It always seems to work. It always seems to work when you just trust him, when you make a decision to do so. The, the new believer will say, I, don't, I, I still don't know how God is going to turn my marriage around. 
I still don't know what's going to happen with my kids, but for some reason, I'm just believing it's going to be better. I'm just believing that God is going to fix it. And here's one of the strength parts of this, is that I want to encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ, please hear me, please hear me. You don't want to, to live with this secret of having Jesus as an anchor and still feel burdened. And, and that's one of the things where I, I sincerely, I'm getting ready to pray in a moment, but that's what I sincerely don't want for you, is to be a Jesus lover and to be burdened. I don't want that because he didn't want it for us. That's why he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The first promise that he promised to give was rest because that's what he wants for you. He wants you to be able to rest in him and to allow him to change whatever the expectation is. And I know it could have been difficult, and I'm not negating how long it's been difficult. I mean, for you, it could have been difficult for a long time. You could have been in this space for years, like, well, pastor, you don't know. My situation is different. And trust me, as a pastor, every person I meet tell me their situation is different. Oh, mine's just, mine's just tougher than anything you heard. So I guarantee you never heard anything like this. And I hear it, I'm like, well, that's easy. I've heard God fix that 50,000 times. Because that's who he is. Sometimes we make our problems bigger and our Jesus smaller. And it's, it's a challenge for us to say, hold up, let me lift my eyes again. Let me lift my eyes. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, right? Like lift your eyes unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Make the choice today to say, Lord, I will not leave this place and still carry a burden you promised to lay down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment where we had a chance just to go around the Word and just understanding what the resting place is. You want us to rest, God. And so we thank God that as we are resting in you, we make a decision today to take off burdens, to take off chains, to take off weights, and just lay them at the feet of Jesus. Everything that we've been carrying that has been a burden for us, we release it now. And we say, Jesus, you're much stronger than us. You carry the cross after being broken and beaten. And so we give our burdens to you, and we learn to rest with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.